2: Connecting to the big show.
3: In
4: three,
2: two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you
4: need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk
2: about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. (laughs) We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can we just
4: talk? Call
2: 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696.
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: The lines are live. Let's
4: kickstart the conversation.
2: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96fm.
5: Morning, all. Good luck to everybody involved in the Midsummer Festival kicking off today. Some fabulous stuff lined up over the next uh, week and a bit, and we'll catch up with uh, with quite a bit of it as we go through. Some really, really good stuff in there. Also, I don't know what your thoughts are on what the president said yesterday. We're not going to do... A big did make a big deal out of it, but he he made some comments yesterday, and the newspapers are full of it this morning. I'll play them for you in, in a little while. Um, what do you think of of what the president said? Now, there's a query that's come in. Oh, good morning, by the way. I I sometimes. I've been talking non stop since about half seven this morning, so I sometimes think the conversation's already started when you're tuning into us at nine o'clock. 0818969696 is the number. There's one. If you're going to a gig this summer, uh, be it a concert at Parky Queen, or a concert at the Marquee, or a concert at Musgrave Park, or anywhere, or part of the Midsummer Festival, whatever. Listeners got a query. Uh, I've not seen this one before, and it's interesting. will get to it in a while. And you kind of say, yeah, that could be a problem, all right. So we'll go to that in, in the fullness of time. But first of all, I want to talk about hotels. Um, we were talking about this in 2020. talking about it in 2021 but it's gone completely mad in 2022 the bosses of the irish hotel industry are to appear today before the oireachtas committee on tourism and i was telling you last week or the week before about a hotel i'll tell you what it was it was the gresham in dublin there on o'connell street and we stayed there myself and the family on june july 18th both 19 in 2020 and in 2021 Looking at it at the same date this year, it is treble the price. Treble the price. And then some of what we paid back in 2020 and 2021. And all, you don't need me to tell you. People are up in arms about the price of hotel rooms. Fianna Fáil TD, Christopher O'Sullivan, is a member of the Oireachtas Committee on Tourism. The, the, the industry say, Christopher, no, we're not gouging. But the evidence is there before our eyes that something's going on. Good morning.
0: Uh, morning, PJ. Yeah, look, it it'll be certainly very interesting to see what the Irish Hotels Federation um, have to say in relation to prices and, and escalating prices, and it's 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 particularly in the Dublin area, PJ. And I I have to s- to stress this because I've done a bit of research myself, and um, I'm someone who has always advocated for and represents the uh, hospitality sector and yeah. the hotel sector in the West Cork area. Um, and while you know. I can't um, rightly say that prices haven't increased in the West Cork area. No way have they increased in the same scale of what we've seen in Dublin City Centre. And I did a, a check around there this morning and, and you can get quite competitive rates still um, in the West Cork area, albeit an increase on 2020, 2021, obviously, because the demand wasn't there in those years. Yes. But You know, you can still say in Skull for 130, Baltimore for 130. Bantry for one thirty can sail is that bit more expensive. It always is about one ninety, dollars yeah. one fifty. So, they, I, I, I'd what I'd like to get across is that what's happening in Dublin and your experience in Dublin. I don't think that that's reflective of what's happening right around the country. Even in tourist hotspots like West Cork, we still remain competitive relatively. That said, hmm. should it be happening be anywhere though, that, that, that's that there still has to be questions hard questions to answered tonight as to why this is happening um in Dublin and i know that we'll hear things like that we have 83% occupancy in um in Dublin which was compared to in around the 70% uh, in even 2019 so it's kind of unprecedented um the level of demand for hotels but that still doesn't explain as you said a trebling but again even that um, trebling of price that you've experienced there, and um, it, it that 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 does, from what I'm hearing and from what the Irish Hotels Federation are saying already, that is. Um, uh, it, it's not the majority of hotels in Dublin apparently the average price of a Hotel mm. Dublin is 150 no. still too high but it shouldn't it, it, it shouldn't be happening you're absolutely right there's going to be tough tough mm. questions will be posed to the Irish Hotel Federation today Talking to get. a
5: friend of mine recently Christopher who has tickets for the Eagles at the Aviva Stadium later this month and lovely the cheap yeah I know the cheapest hotel the, I mean the cheapest no breakfast nothing just a place to lay your head the cheapest hotel that he can get is twice the price of what he's paying for tickets and fuel to drive up and down.
0: And what, what's that coming into this, PJ? Do you know? The or? Cheapest he can get is around five hundred euro. Jesus, I mean, I mean, and, and that's something that we are going to have to. to like there's the supply seek and demand. Is, we
5: understand you. the economics of supply and demand. You know, that's that's what it is. But there's supply and demand, and there's supply and demand.
0: Yeah. And, and again, just doing, just doing a check on Booking.com there, check Dublin prices, you know, hotel for 409, hotel for 473, hotel for 654, just for one night. This is midweek. But again, I have to, we have to put that in context with what's happening in the rest of the country. And I'll come back to West Cork in the area I'm from. There are still weeknights and weekends, mm. very, very good hotels, three, three star, four star hotels. Yeah in some of our most well-known tourist destinations that are still quite competitive. And this is on the backdrop, I suppose, of we, we have to take into account, and this is not excusing, by the way, the, the, the extortion of price that you just referenced there, which is um, should absolutely not be happening. But it's in the backdrop of a situation where we're seeing hotels um, uh, have to, to deal with massive uh, rising costs just like all of us are having to deal with rising costs food costs are up 20% mm-hmm. um, I was talking to a hotelier there linen costs are gone up 40% in terms of provision of linen insurance has gone up 25% yeah. and that is a huge issue yeah, that the hotel t- Neil hotel Grant hotel from Roscabry was had on had there
5: from the Celtic Ross was talking about the the overheads that have gone up and, and and to be fair to Neil he's done his absolute
0: best to keep his costs reasonable for for, for the punter to be fair to him yeah, because the likes of Neil, they, they know that they, they can't price themselves out of the market. Um, and they know that Ireland can't price themselves out of the market. And I think Neil and many West Cork hoteliers who have, we must remember, battled their way through two of the worst years in the sector's um, uh, history, where, yes, government did come in and support them with EWSS and um, the CRSS support scheme. But it was they, they were they faced full closure and and uh, in many instances, mm. so they they've been through a tough time and you know I can't rightly turn around now and start um, bashing the hotel sector when I've tried to advocate and support them. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. In the but past. what will you be? I know so, you,
5: I know you've got a meeting to get to. What will you be asking them specifically when you sit across from them today?
0: I, I'll certainly be asking those um, instances that you've referenced there, 500 uh, euro a night, um, those instances where, you, where you've referenced where the, the price has trebled overnight. I'll be asking what the explanation is for that. I mean, we understand market forces. We understand increased costs. But these are these th- these are um, significant, significant increases. Um, and, and also false Ireland will be in there, by the way. And I think we have another crisis in terms of... Um, Ireland position itself as a uh, competitive place uh, to holiday, the cost of um, car rental, which I know yeah. you've covered as well, oh uh, PJ, that has, that has escalated massively. You and could that buy a second-hand car
5: now. from a yard on arrival, drive it for the two weeks, and reset <sighs> it for cheaper.
0: Yeah and and look I'm I'm I sniggered there and I shouldn't be because what that's going to lead to is this narrative that we really can't let get out there internationally is that Ireland has all all of a sudden become uncompetitive you can still get good deals in Ireland you can still come to Ireland have a fantastic holiday enjoy the scenery mm. um and, and and do it in a way that's competitive compared to the well, rest. Well, to
5: be of fair, board. now I had the Sarah Slattery on here yesterday from the TravelExpert.ie, and she's been going through what is out there. It is there if you go and look for it, and we should not stop saying that. But there's a not there's a bit of messing going on, Christopher. And we need to get to the bottom of it. And that
0: that that messing needs to be cut out because it will have. Um, and 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 Neil and and the rest of the hotel sector are concerned about this. The the I'm talking about the hotel management that are doing their very best to accommodate people people, they're concerned that this narrative, and and I wouldn't say narrative, but that these incidents is going to impact um, how Ireland's perceived in terms of a tourist destination. I think we have a role to play to nip that in the bud as well. And part of that will be to uh, ensure that we see a stop and an ending of these um, extortionally high prices that we see, particularly in Dublin.
5: All right, Christopher, thank you. Christopher O'Sullivan, Fiannaval, TD for Cork, South West. And he's Right. There is a bit of messing going on, but there are places up and down the country where you can get a decent rate. If you go looking, you get a decent rate. To be fair, you will. But I want to know what you've been quoting. Like, if you're someone who doesn't plan on travelling out of the country this year, if you're someone who can't, because you can't get a flipping passport, that's another problem. What have you been quoted? Where have it has it been quoted to you? Where do you want to go? What's it going to cost you? Let me know. Um, the one I gave you was for, as I said, the Gresham in Dublin. We were on our way to the north, so we overnighted in Dublin in both 2020 and 21 on the same night in both of those years. Last year it was 190 for two rooms. Is a two rooms when we stay, so 190 for two rooms, including breakfast, on the 18th of July. Last year. Now, the 18th of July this, the, July this year, I'll be out of the country. But I checked anyway. It's trebled that and then some. Uh, including breakfast. Treble that and then some. Uh, for the same hotel on the same night. And last year, the hotel was full. So it is happening up and down the country. Um, Dublin in particular. And someone who wants to go to a gig in Dublin, trying to book a room to stay after a gig, like, forget it. Just forget it. Wasn't someone saying last week that they could go out? A friend of mine was saying he could. Uh, he booked tickets to see Springsteen in Paris next summer. And he'll have the Springsteen tickets and three nights in a decent hotel in Paris and his flights for less than it cost to stay in Dublin at the same time. <laughs> That's just. There's no justification for that. But what are you seeing? What are you seeing if you're going to try to book a hotel room? Oh eight one eight ninety-six ninety-six
4: ninety-six. Get ready to meet the Cork's ninety-six FM Street Fleet.
5: Heading
2: your way soon.
6: Meet the Corks 96FM Street Fleet at the Cork Summer Show this Saturday and Sunday, June 18th and 19th at the showgrounds. There's loads happening for all the family, including arts and crafts, cooking demos, play zones, live entertainment and lots more. Join the Street Fleet this Saturday and Sunday at the Cork Summer Show, Corks 96FM.
5: Yeah, if you want to commit your thoughts to a voice note, we know people have busy lives and don't have a whole pile of time for making phone calls sometimes. So if you want to commit your comment on anything at all to a voice note 083 oh, 396 96 96 I've another pair of tickets as well today for Elton John at Parky e. Cueve that's coming up in a while but I want to talk to Emma O'Sullivan now Emma first of all how are you today good morning
7: hi PJ how are you good morning um I'm yeah I'm kind of I'm okay I'm okay
5: Good. Talk to me about what you yeah. go through day to day. What what are your you have an eating disorder and O C D. Talk yeah. about that for me.
7: So um the eating disorder started when I was in about my teen years. Um and I was hospitalized for uh, about six months with anorexia at about fifteen. Um I suppose it's kind of led up to a point now where um, it's all kind of morphed into quite severe OCD. Um, so while I'm dealing with the OCD, it's kind of also affecting the anorexia. Uh, so it's, you know, kind of like a, a, they're both affecting each other. Yeah.
5: How does it manifest itself? Like, how does it affect your day to day?
7: Yeah, so uh, it's pretty debilitating. Um, It is basically for me, it's around contamination a lot. So it limits my life um, quite a lot. It makes it quite small, Um, you know, in terms of um, eating, using utensils, um, public transport, just, you know, tiny little even day-to-day things, Um, it's, it's quite limiting.
5: Contamination. It's a fear of contamination, is it?
7: Um, yeah. So it's kind of um, gotten into a fear of you know getting getting sick. Um, so so yeah, I suppose it's a constant cleaning. Um, there's a lot of checking going on. Um, so it's. It's quite a difficult thing to, to explain to someone, I suppose, mm. if well, you've not
3: really...
5: Make, it, yeah. make a simple example. Like, you want to prepare a bite of breakfast. It's half nine, so you want to prepare a bite of breakfast, a cup of coffee, slice of toast, whatever a bit of cereal. Yeah. So, so how difficult yeah. is that for you now?
3: So
7: I can't actually do that at the moment. Um, so what I'm able to do is um, either go to a cafe... That I feel comfortable going to, or else um, have kind of like a packaged food, and nice. if I'm using like a utensil or something, like I would like use hand sanitizer. Like, and, what would and be the difficulty that. of
5: going over to the bread bin, taking out two slices of bread, popping them in the toaster, getting the butter out of the press, getting a knife to butter the toast? Like, what? Yeah. Help! Help! Help me understand that. What? What? What are the difficulties with that?
7: Um, I suppose it's kind of the intrusive thoughts a lot that come with it. So with OCD, um, a lot of the time it is logic kind of takes a backseat. So you can kind of be, as I could say to myself, okay, this is this is fine. You know, I know this is fine. But those intrusive thoughts can kind of take over when OCD comes quite severe. Um, so a lot of the times talking to someone with OCD, um, there there's not a lot of reassurance that can be done, um, and yeah, so it's gone quite bad to the point where I am, I've been in kind of the public mental health system for about ten years, um, and I've I've really really deteriorated. Yeah. So I've I've had to make my my story public. Um, I've started a, a GoFundMe to try and get the funds to get proper treatment and hmm. recovery um yeah. because it's just not a possibility here yeah
5: yeah because yeah. you've got you'd be a dual diagnosis wouldn't you and therefore yeah very hard to get any kind of treatment
7: yeah i am i suppose with the with the anorexia it has i have gotten that kind of you know somewhat under control the the ocd is kind of really um affecting the anorexia again. So, it, you know, as you say, it's kind of like um, one against the other at yeah. the moment.
5: Because yeah. a- again, how I'm putting that together in my head, Emma, is so, yeah. so you've got, like you said, you've got the anorexia under some level of control, which I assume yes. means that you yeah. you you're, you're eating is structured. you you're, you're yes
3: you're,
5: yeah. right. You've a structure around when when and how and and yeah. So you you plan your day in terms of the food you're gonna have, but then in comes the O C D and says, Oh no, I'm not gonna exactly. let you do that.
7: Exactly. Yeah. That's so that the can thing. kick that can um, kick the yeah.
5: controller anorexia back.
7: And and this is the thing, and um, I suppose I've been trying to find the right help for a long time now and um, it's just been living in, in torment like this, I've kind of experienced uh, I suppose there's a massive gap um, in the mental health system. Yeah. Um, I think the public services provide um, a, a, a basic level of care. Um, so for any severe case, I know that there, there is just no option. You know, I've been told that there is no OCG treatment plan in um, public hospitals. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I suppose, for a lot of people going through mental illness there's nearly an acceptance of, okay, you know, a lack of quality of life. And I've gotten to a point where I don't want to accept that for myself, and yeah. I don't want to accept that for other people anymore.
5: You, 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 Your um, quality of life can't be very good at the moment.
7: It, it's not. It's really, really living day to day. And I suppose... Going through this whole process, I've gotten messages from people in similar situations from me um, with just, you know, just horrible stories of what they're going through and realizing that it's not just me going through this. Mm. It's it's given me a lot of hope to just keep pushing Brilliant. Um, and, and keep fighting. Because people
5: yeah. listening to us talking this morning, Emma, will be thinking, God, she sounds as bright and she sounds confident and she sounds very together. Yeah. And, and, and you do. I compliment you on that. But from the way yeah. you describe it, you've got these two things going on, which mm-hmm. the treatment from one or the management of one, the management of one is threatened by the effects of the other. So how yeah. do I mean, like, yeah. this is a beautiful summer's day and it's half past yeah. nine. Like, mentally... How will yeah. your day? How will your day pan out? Just to put it into simple words for it.
7: Yeah. So, uh, basically, a lot of uh, control, I suppose. A lot of forward thinking. Of okay, if I'm out, uh, simple things like I I can't really use public bathrooms. So, um, that's constricting. Uh, where am I? Where am I going to eat? How are they going to prepare the food? You know, it's intensely kind of. Scrutinising every little bit of my my day, um, but but going back to what you were saying, um, I think a lot of people with mental health issues, and I, I suppose girls as well. And for me, we've kind of learned to mask the issue mm. quite a lot. Mm. And for me, that's come across in a way of um, being able to just put on a face that you know everything is fine, and being able to, to talk quite well about things. Um, but but inside, you know, if, if you could see my day to day life, um, it's a lot of torment. Um, and I suppose because I can talk like this about things, um, it is it's helpful in a way. Um, <laughs> but in another way it's also hard because I I really you know if I could if I could have someone Come into my life and just live my life for a day and experience it. Um, you know, I think there would be a lot more services available to people and a lot more um, yeah. specific and, and qualified services available to people.
5: You, you, you remind me, at least the picture I have in my head, Emma, is of, of a swan. So out on the lock. Yeah. So here's <laughs> this tall, majestic creature sailing along on the top of the water. What we don't yeah. see is the sheer panic of the little feet below. And, and
7: this is the thing,
5: yeah. You present as calm and collected
3: yeah.
7: and
5: together
3: yeah. and rational. Mm-hmm.
5: But even, yeah. am I right in saying that even as we're talking now, your mind is full of fear and conflict about how the rest it's, of the day pans yeah. out?
7: It's a constant. It's literally, I, I've gotten... I'm so exhausted from, from my own mind. Um, you know, I've gotten to really, really low points of, of going to South Dock, um, really feeling quite, quite, quite low about my life, going to the emergency mental health department in the CUH and just constantly being, um, being, being turned away, I suppose. Um, you know, South Dock are great. Um, but it's, it's, the other services that, you know, you can literally be saying, I, "I, I, do not feel safe. I, I'm at a really low point, and just given another, another medication to try and be sent home. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's so wrong that, you know, there's, there's people's lives on the line, and I've heard people recently around me and who I've never known and these lost family members to mental illness and just because of this because people are being turned away and not given a voice and not being given proper care um and I suppose I've 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 talked about this for a long time now and that's why I can why I can present myself and I suppose if you did see me on the street you you would never think what is going on is going on because I have been masking this for mm-hmm. um, a good 10, 11 years now. Yeah. So,
5: And yeah. no doubt doing a super job, but nobody yeah. sees the turmoil behind your eyes. No. So what do you need, Emma? You need a place, I think, yeah. that will take on both your eating disorder and your OCD. Does that exist in this country?
7: Um. So I am... Um the hope is to get into um, St. Patrick's in Dublin. Um, right. I initially had a place there, but unfortunately, because my insurance didn't go through, um, that place has has kind of gone, so I will have to make a referral. Um, so hopefully, once I raise the funds, I can make a referral again. I see. Um, but, but yeah, yeah.
5: Are you frightened that, mainly, that you lose control of this?
7: Oh, absolutely terrified! And I, I have lost control so, so many times. Um, it's mainly mainly focused on, you know, hopefully going into hospital. I'm I'm mainly going to be focused on focusing on the OCD um, because that again is is kind of controlling the yeah. eating.
5: Do, do, but do you I've, think I've, if you could yeah. sort the OCD out, you know, rein it in a bit, deal with it? Do you think that you could manage your anorexia then?
7: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's mainly centered around that. Because um, obviously and you've
5: got a handle on your anorexia, which is brilliant and well done. Yes. You've got yes. a handle on it.
7: And I suppose.
5: But this thing is I affecting as di- yes, well.
7: Wow. Yeah, eating disorders, um, a lot of the time, are, are quite intense and they're like. The way I describe it is that they're like a monster. They can kind of morph into a lot of different things they wear a lot of different coats and um it's it's gotten to a point of of just real crisis point for me at the moment where I need um recovery and the the treatment options available are not recovery based you know are you they are um I'm I'm terrified for for my life because I want a life and this this is not, well, I'm 25, you know, I, I'm, I've had to give up my job. Um, my world is extremely small mm. and it's, it's excruciating to have to live like in torment like that. Um, and I didn't never, I, you know, I never wanted to have to make my, let anyone know my story, really. I've been hiding even from a lot of people what I've been going through but I, I've come across so many barriers in the public mental health system of literally begging and crying for, for inpatient care and um, just it's just not there, you know? And even if I was to get public inpatient care, um, the, the, there is no treatment, there is no recovery for OCD. Um, and I, I just have a... a, a Sorry, statistic here. Um, but I just wanted to, to say that um, so there was no money allocated to the National Eating Disorder Treatment Plan in 2020 by the HSE. Mm. Um, in 2018, 1.5 million was allocated to the plan, but only 137,000 euro was spent. Wow. And in 2019, 1.6 million euro was allocated, but no money was spent.
3: Where did that um,
7: money go? This is, there is, and I think that those statistics really span on the whole mental health system, not just eating disorders. Um, I think if you speak to anyone who's been through the public system, you will hear a lot of distressing stories. Um, And it's, for me, um, I, I really am desperate for the help right now, but when I get better, I, I want to be an advocate for people. And I suppose this for me has, has gotten to a point where it's not just about my story anymore. It's about the people who don't have a voice um, and who feel like they're just stuck in a system that they will never get help in. Mm. Um, and I think the young people in our country deserve more care than this.
5: You used a fantastic word. About three sentences ago, do you know what it was?
7: No. When
5: I get better.
7: Yeah. When and that is my hope that I've gotten to a point where I I was giving up. You know, I was thinking, okay, this is it. Um, just just being honest with you, that I was I was prepared to um, to to end my life at a certain point. Okay. Um. Because of this, um,
5: it, that takes immense courage is, to admit that. And I'm it's telling.
7: it's 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 really hard to, to admit that. But um, I've I had I come across a story of um, a particular girl who had started a GoFundMe and raised the money to get help. And reading her story, being in contact with her, and um, hearing other people's stories, it's it's gotten me to to fight for my life again. Good for um, you. Good Sorry, I'm you. getting a bit um, emotional, that's okay, but um, that's
5: okay. Good for you. That's brilliant. You're fantastic. So you know, you know, that. you know that, don't you?
7: Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, the GoFundMe is still going quite slow, unfortunately. So it's kind of um, a day-to-day thing where you know I just want to be in hospital now. I just want much, much to now. get help now
5: to get a start in the hospital.
7: Yeah. So the the target goal is um, sixty thousand. So it's it's quite a lot. Um, that would be for um, the optimal, optimal kind of stay, sure. a longer stay. Um, and so I suppose that's where the gap is. You know, you have the public system and then you have the um, the private system where, unfortunately, if your insurance doesn't cover it because, you know, mental health a lot of the times is deemed pre-existing. Yeah. You don't kind of wake up with a mental health issue one day. um that you have to try and find another way. So people are falling through that gap and unfortunately losing their lives a lot of the time.
5: Yeah. Let me read this to you. It's come in on on the WhatsApp. Hi, PJ. I'm listening to your conversation with Emma. I just want to say I'm so proud of Emma for speaking up, so grateful to her for doing so. I'm currently using the public mental health service and really struggling. I saw from depression and suicidal ideation, I've been unable to get the help I need. I've been turned away from the emergency room numerous times. When I was suicidal, I want to send love to Emma and support to her and the same love and support to all that are struggling within the mental health system. You're having a very important conversation with me today, Emma.
7: Um, I just want to say thank you so much to that, that person for reaching out as well because I really feel the struggle um, really in my heart for for everyone and it's it's so distressing because you you just do not know what people are going through. And to be turned away from an emergency department having to go there in the first place because you're in an emergency situation, it's its just absolutely disgraceful. Um, mm. And we need to do something about, about this in our country. Our young people are dying, you know? Um, and it's just, I, I don't know, is it a culture in Ireland, you know, we're just putting things, under a rug you know and we're hiding this but I've been so ashamed of what I've been going through for so long um just so so ashamed to say it to anyone but I'm not anymore because I don't want anyone to go through this and I know how much I I need the help and I want a life back for myself for my family um and it's yeah it's just been it's excruciating to, to go through and to hear these stories. Yeah.
5: Well, I think you're fantastic and brave Thank and you. strong. And I look forward to talking to you when everything works out because it will. And let's Yeah, hope
7: and that- I, I hope.
5: That's where yeah. we we'll get that cash together for you. Someone will get that cash together exactly. for you. You know, or the, yeah. system, the system will get its act together and just give you what you need. Emma, thank you so yeah. much. We we, we we have a link to the GoFundMe, which you're putting up on socials, all right? Putting thank up, you so much. You um, I
7: also, yeah. yeah, I am having um, on Saturday in the Ballinlock Community Centre, just having um, a, a community event, a fundraiser. There's going to be a bake sale um, and spot prizes. Um, and there's also donation boxes in Alchemy Cafe and the Pink Moon Cafe. So okay. I'm hoping I can get other businesses involved in that um, and really try and get the GoFundMe off the ground to get the treatment I need.
5: Okay. So right. yeah. Take care of yourself. We'll yeah. talk again.
7: Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it.
5: Well done, you. If you need help, uh, BodyWise, the Eating Disorders Association... They have a number you can call, one That's available Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday, 7.30 to 9.30 and Saturday, 10.30 to 12.30 in the day. You can also go to their website, bodywise. That's B-O-D-Y-W-H-Y-S dot I-E for info about their online support group. Or you can talk to your GP. Just talk to someone. 0818 96, 96, 96.
6: They can
4: call
5: Wayne Hilton.
4: Wayne Hilton. The weekend. On Quark's 96FM.
5: Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's happening around town, and we'll keep you up to date with all your
2: essential Cork news.
4: Wayne Hilton.
2: Saturdays, 10
4: a.m. with Carmax Used Car Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moy. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C A R M A X CarMax.ie.
2: On Cork's. 96 FM. We've
5: hit a nerve with the hotels. Uh, Certainly, uh, they're getting on your every last nerve. Going to Gareth Brooks on 9th September. Booked the first hotel before I even got the ticket. It cancelled my booking due to government mandate. In other words, it's been taken over. Booked a second hotel. They cancelled again for the same reason. Got another hotel, the Ivy Gardens, 440 for the night and no breakfast. Crazy money. I wouldn't pay it for anybody else, but I'm going to pay it because I want to see Garrett Brooks. Uh, I just want to go. Got bed and breakfast at the Gresham for the 27th September for 198.10. I booked through booking.com, booked two weeks ago in Amazon. Thanks, Eleanor. Yeah, that's, yeah, September. To July I was looking at, but that's good. That's not bad now at all. That's not bad. Uh, Airbnb is the way to go. We're going to a concert on 31st July in Killarney. We've got an apartment Sleeping four for 182 for the night. That's not bad. Married 25 years on July 22nd. Looking for a weekend away in Ireland. It's a disgrace. Three rooms for five adults. We couldn't find anything cheaper than 1,500 euro. No breakfast. This was all over the place. The beauty was the International Hotel in Dublin. 7,854 quid for the weekend. Facilities included a bathroom with a toilet. Oh, my God, the luxury. <laughs> Needless to say, we're going abroad instead. I booked a room uh, in Dublin in February this year on a Friday. It was 189. I, booked la- I looked last night to book it for a Friday in September. Same room. I even asked for the same room number and it's 390. And I have lots of them, and I will come back to them. But I want to talk about a thing called Baby Boxes. Uh, Baby Boxes is a pilot scheme that's been launched by uh, the Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman. And hundreds of parents will get baby bundles with practical items to help them with their newborn children under this new scheme. It's being rolled out in the autumn, 500 bundles initially, and they'll be given out to new parents at the Rotunda in Dublin and at University Hospital Waterford and the things in them like a thermometer, some reusable nappies, a bibs, a play mat, books, information. Uh, The whole lot will cost about 200 grand for the pilot scheme. I remember very faintly I remember a concept called the bounty bag. Uh, Maybe Older listeners might know what that was, but I remember a thing called the Bounty Bag years ago, and I'm wondering, are there, is that just a new version of this? Uh, Rob Armstrong, regulardad.ie. Rob, when, when you took baby home, yourself and your, and your partner took baby home, did you get anything to go home with?
8: No, just a load of, of leaflets, BJ, <laughs> to be yeah. quite honest. Um no, like I both myself and route. did a lot of research, but I thought the the concept of the baby boxes are fantastic. I know it's been over in Finland for years. This um this baby box and they actually I think the box actually converts into a cot. That's right. As the, well. fin- the Finnish one um, has, has all so sorts it, of stuff, yeah. Yeah, so like I think it's a fantastic concept because I think you're you're so overwhelmed with what's just happened and you're looking for the information to have it in kind of I suppose one easy spot to go home with. Um, makes perfect sense and you're not rushing out to the pharmacy for I suppose essential items now the re- re- reusable nappies I could take a turn against you know, to be quite honest but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just from experience but I I think like the thermometers and I suppose the baby mats the books things like that just little items that help especially in the early days and I would have added in I, I haven't seen the full detailed list of what it's expected to go into the Irish baby box. But I think even just information on how to, I suppose, get, you know, the under 60 GP card, how you go about that. Um, all that information that I suppose new you want. That's a great Yeah, just that, you know, instead of you having to go to, I don't know if you've ever gone onto the mychild.e website, but it's fantastic. But it's very, like there's lots of lots of information you get lost in it where I think just a little thing inside that that says, listen. You know, you'll get your PPS for your little one in the next couple of days straight away get your under 6 GP card because then should anything God forbid happen they're looked after and you can bring them to the GP as much as you you want so that would be one I'd add to it and, um, but I think they're a fantastic idea and I hope it's, it's rolled out nationwide yeah. right after this pilot scheme
5: How about a, a leaflet for example Rob of all the numbers that you might need uh, in those mm. First few weeks, like, would that be useful? Yeah, I think so. It's just, it's better to have it than not have it. And
8: I think it's, it's. I would personally, I would have it, if if it was me designing it, I'd have it printed on the the physical box as opposed to a leaflet inside it. So that parents open it up the box, all the numbers are on the lip of the box and they can see, you know, right, this is, you know, the South Dock or... You know, this is you call for a particular you know section of the the mm-hmm. university hospitals or the maternity you hospitals. your public health
5: nurses number. Yeah, yeah,
8: that's it. And just kind of, I suppose, because you know yourself, you'd you'd lose a leaflet very quick in the house, and you don't want to be going searching for these things when the baby's screaming at you or something. So that's true. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. So it's just, it's it'd be the devil's in the detail. I know every mum dot e. They do uh, like a baby bag through Super Value, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and they have done for a good number of years. So, um, again, they're just kind of, I suppose, baby products, but, yeah. it, it you know, it, it's to see what comes out of uh, this report yes. or this pilot
5: scheme and what actually the products will be. Yeah, the, the bounty bag was mm. um, a thing. Mm. I, I I remember people talking about it, um, was that you'd believe in you'd get like the, basically a bag of samples, you know. Yeah.
8: Yeah, that that could yeah. that's but that's that's essentially what I suppose the every mum one is. I just think with the baby box you can just be that bit more baby specific and yeah. given the items that you know you may not have thought about yeah. prior to the, the baby's arrival and then, you know, in certain cases, you know, people may not be in a financial situation to afford certain items and I think having that that every child gets the same start in life
9: yeah.
8: um, with the same sort of products i think is a fantastic mm. scheme to roll out nationally and you know if it takes off it'll be it'll be brilliant i think
5: for everyone across the board so i'm i'm smiling at you here because you and i have talked before yeah. before the yeah. baby was born and and a- directly after and i noticed rob the 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 fear is gone <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm laughing at you yeah. about the, 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 the reusable nappies. Um, that's that yeah, there's, there, there's a line there. had them and, there's a line. Yeah,
8: there. there's there's a few
10: there's you, a few I mean, people you, I know
8: personally who have used them yeah. and all credit to them, you if know, they're, they're stronger people than I am. <laughs> but uh, there's that, that's the one where I still would be. Yeah, I don't know if I could do it personally. But, and I, yeah. yeah you, we've all base, seen so. the Facebook
5: videos of the guy left to change the baby's nappy.
8: Yeah. Have you been yeah. that soldier? Have so I have been that soldier many a day and many a night. So <laughs> I'm getting a brief retrieve yeah. to talk to you, PJ. We're, we're on down on our holidays, and her, the little one's gone down to the beach to, to play with the bucket and sand. So, all right. um, yeah, so that's. Uh,
5: Rob. It's, uh, it's still going so. you go and enjoy enjoy a holiday anywhere nice mm. where are you I'm, I'm down in Crookhaven I'm currently Cop looking at and you, uh, could, you could hardly yeah, so. be in a nicer place look after that yourself is. look after baby look after Ruth Rob thank you that's Rob Armstrong the regular dad dot IE his blog actually <laughs> Park Maintenance is hilariously funny he's very very funny um, but the, yeah he likes that idea the baby boxes about 300 quid worth of stuff in it um, not a full list available just yet, but you have a thermometer, reusable nappies. Hey, make of it what you will, right? I wouldn't have them inside the door. Uh, a baby sling and bibs and a play mat and little books and information and all of that. I like his idea, though, that there'd be a, a little pack in it that would contain instructions on how to apply for the under sixes medical card, uh, the GP card, whatever. you know. You know what I'm talking about because they're complicated oh god they're complicated my baby was born in Scotland in 2017, it was the first year they rolled out the baby box there was so much stuff in it not stuff I didn't even think I needed it was great and uh, councillor Ted Tynan was listening to Emma that was a very moving interview with Emma There's a lot of people with all kinds of mental health needs. It's a damning indictment of the political system. I just want to offer my empathy to that brave and beautiful person. Thanks for that, Ted.
2: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96,
4: 96, 96.
2: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96FM.
5: Now, I'm no lawyer, uh, and Michael McDowell is uh, a senior counsel and a former attorney general and all of that. But I'm wondering, I can't agree with him here. Uh, There's nothing in any rule to do with his office or any constitutional element to bar Michael D from saying what he said yesterday. There's no rule that says he can't. It's not done. It's a kind of convention that it is not done. But there's no rule that says he can't. Least if there is, I can't find it. If anyone can specifically find me a constitutional rule that says he can't do what he did or say what he said, I'll be happy to see it. But you know, they're all hopping up and down inside in Leinster House over this morning. Uh, our front page of the Irish Independent says he's facing a furious backlash from the government for his failure to steer clear of political issues. Well, love him or hate him or think what you like about him, and he's a very popular man. I don't think he's a bit afraid of of people getting angry about him inside the Leinster House. I'd love to know what you think, just before we move on to our next topic of conversation this morning. I'd love to know what you think of what the president said yesterday. Not so much whether he should or whether he could or whether he can or whether he can't Uh, but what he actually said
6: building homes is what is important it is not to be a star performer for the speculative sector internationally I, i have taken as walter to speaking ever more frankly in relation to housing because i think it is a great 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 failure it isn't a crisis anymore It is a disaster. The outlook is getting darker in relation to the middle parts of our population. I feel that I, as President, have to speak very directly about this. Housing and the basic needs of society should never have been left to the marketplace.
5: you go, there's Miglety. Um, Speaking out like only Miglety can, uh, yesterday. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to know what you think, particularly through voice notes. If you've got any thoughts on it, 083-396-96-96. Oh, three, three I'll come back to it. I'll also come back to Elton John, getting busy, but I'll give you today's uh, song title for you to choose, which is which, uh, in, in a few minutes' time, if you want to win tickets, go to see Elton John at uh, Parky Queeve on the 1st of July. Um, reading about sensational kids... Uh, I want to find out more about Sensational Kids. I'm joined by Karen Lee and Mary Lucy. Karen is the CEO and the founder of Sensational Kids and Mary is a senior occupational therapist. I'll go to you first, Karen, and good morning. What is (laughs) Sensational Kids?
11: Yeah, so Sensational Kids is a social enterprise that I founded myself to provide affordable and accessible therapy services for children of all abilities, but in particular children with additional needs. So we set up Sensational Kids in Kildare over 14 years ago, just me, myself as a parent, literally around my kitchen table with the help of family and friends based on my own children's needs. So I have uh, children who have dyspraxia, which um, is a very common condition, affects children in every classroom in Ireland. And at the time we were just unable to find, like many other parents in Ireland, um, services like occupational therapy and speech and language therapy for my own children. Mm. So purely out of frustration, we set up Sensational Kids as a not-for-profit organization because my own values, I felt that people shouldn't be profiting out of these services. So we set Sensational Kids up as a social enterprise with charitable status to provide um, services like speech and language therapy and occupational therapy for all children. Um, and we it completely snowballed, PJ, since we started. As you can imagine, we now know there's over 70,000 children mm. in this country who are waiting for services like occupational therapy and speech and language therapy, which should be readily available, but sadly are not. Um, and we grew our services and scaled our social impact quite significantly and four years ago in 2018 we opened our second centre in Clonakilty, there in West Cork which has been a great success and provides a huge and much badly needed service for, oh. for families in the community there and we now have four centres around the country in addition to Clonakilty in Kildare we have one in Claremorris and Mayo and Clonus in County Monaghan as well. To date we have supported nine house and children um, all ages and all abilities since we opened our doors so it's really all about um, you know helping the families Um, as a not for profit organisation the key difference with Sensational Kids is that we bridge the gap between public and private
5: services. Mm. How are you funded though?
11: Yes, yeah, so we're self-funded on a social enterprise model, which is what uh, most people wouldn't understand social enterprise and what it is. But basically what it means is that it, it's a business like any other business. Uh, we run it like a business. Yes, we do have charitable status and we do rely on donations and grants and fundraising as well. But we also take our traded income that we that we have. If you look on our website, you'll see we have an online store as well that sells educational toys. Mm. But all profits are reinvested back into the organisation. And that's the key difference with being a social enterprise. So typically profits would be distributed to shareholders or owners, but there are no owners to a social enterprise. Right. We're governed by a voluntary board of directors. So, so nobody owns Sensational Kids. People often think that I do, but I actually don't. I'm just an employee like right. anybody else. One um, assumes, though, that you is. have
5: to pay professionals who provide you with a service.
11: Absolutely, so we employ over 30 people around around the country now Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, many who are in in full-time employment and we're still growing and recruiting, we're currently recruiting therapists at the minute as well, but we just, we generate our own income, you know, we subsidise our fees, so parents pay a contribution towards the cost of the services, we take the profits from our online store, we provide training workshops for parents and teachers, we take the profits from those to reinvest back into the organisation, and we're lucky uh, to get a number of grants and donations and fundraised income as well. So combined, all of that income helps us balance our books at the end of the year and any profits then are reinvested back into growing the organisation as
5: well. I see, so four centres including one down in West Cork. Let me bring in Mary Lucy now I'd stay there, Karen. Mary is a senior occupational therapist with Sensational Kids. I had never heard of this, Mary. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful organisation. Good morning. How did you get involved?
12: Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. And look, I feel very privileged to work in Sensational Kids. Um, I started here in September 2018 when we opened the centre in West Cork. And I've, you know, I suppose witnessed it grow and develop since that time. So we have occupational therapy, speech and language therapy and play therapy currently here on site in Hilty. And we typically support more than 100 children every week.
3: Mm-hmm.
12: Um, as we know, there's children on waiting us all over the country and it's very hard to get services for the children that need them and that's what we're trying to do we want to support as many children as possible so i like we predominantly serve the children with conicility in west cork but we find that we even have families traveling from cork city east cork and even other counties in, in Munster, because I suppose we, we provide accessible therapy services. And <laughs> um, we're constantly, I suppose, trying to develop with the demands of services as well. And just recently, we have um, decided to run groups for the summer so that we can maximize, see more children, offer more support, and also a very exciting school partnership program, which would mean that we would have occupational therapists working directly on the ground in schools so providing you know assessment intervention groups teacher training Mm. it's particularly important for those parents who you know perhaps can't get children to therapy appointments during the day and 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 yeah, that's how we're we're hoping to deliver more of an impact.
5: The obvious question that'll be coming into the mind of a parent, I suspect, Mary, is well well how, how do I how do I get involved here? How do I get a service? Do I have to get referred by someone? What do I do?
12: Yeah, no, and that's, that's a part of what we try and do. We want to be as accessible as possible so parents can self-refer. Um, they they call uh, our, our amazing clinical administ- administration staff here at reception and they can refer the child in directly themselves.
5: Right. And I assume, because in all such wonderful things, there's a waiting list.
12: Yes, look, at present we do have a waiting list, we are recruiting, but we're also constantly trying to develop ways to access um, and provide support to people who are on the waiting list. So at the moment we are doing virtual parent consultation sessions, so that's a way of, you know, having a discussion, giving the parent the opportunity to have a discussion with a professional around their concerns and to give them kind of tips and strategies to implement in the meantime. Uh, the groups will be another way of providing support to those who are waiting for, for maybe one-to-one intervention.
5: Come back to you, Karen, for for a second. Again, no. I, this is this is a, a, a new discovery for me, and, and I'm a long time banging the drum of better services for, for no. our children, so I'm delighted to see this happening and delighted to see it growing. The first question no. people are going to ask is, can we have more of it?
11: Yeah, well, we're constantly growing our service there. So we have quite a big facility there in Clonakilty in West Cork, and we are recruiting at the minute. So our aim is to increase the service provision that we have there in Clonakilty. We're working as quickly and as fastly uh, as we can to grow that service. And, and like Mary said, we're constantly trying to innovate and find new ways to support parents as well. So the infrastructure is in place for us to do that now as well, so, so we're constantly working on our plans to grow our service in Clonakilty and nationally as well so as well as all of our centres around the country and we're currently working on plans to custom build our own therapy centre and HQ in Kildare as well so so Sensational Kids is always growing we're never standing still quite an innovative um, social enterprise but we're constantly working on our mission which is to support as many children as possible to provide them with access to services
5: Well, not only am I delighted to discover it at last but I'm also delighted to be able to use the opinion line to to let the rest of Cork know about it that don't know, don't know about it already. Anybody who does want to contact you, the website is sensationalkids.ie, correct.
11: Exactly, that's it. Yeah, and people—the email address for our centre in Clonakilty and the phone number is on the website there. So, literally, all parents have to do, PJ, is just pick up the phone and contact us, and we'll take it from there.
5: All right, good to speak with you both, and continued success for Sensational Kids. That's Karen Lee, who is the CEO and the founder, and Mary Lucy, who's a senior occupational therapist and is based at their centre in Clonakilty. I'd love to to hear from a a family who's benefited from that and. and that's fantastic. I mean, I thought I knew everything that was out there. I obviously didn't. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Let's have more of that. 0818 96 96 96. Right, Elton John, I'll take you out of suspense. Uh, 1st of July, Parky Cueve, his Farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. And I have a pair of tickets every day this week. And then one winner of those tickets we'll upgrade them on Friday to a pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane Cork's lively gastro pub at the heart of the city. I have a song title, I have a right version and a wrong version and I want you to tell me which is the right version and your name to 083 396 96 96. Today it's is it Circle of Life or Spice of Life? Is the song Circle of Life or Spice of Life? The correct one and your name, 83
3: 3969696
2: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
3: Text
4: or WhatsApp now, 83
2: 396 96
5: 96. On Courts 96 FM. Uh, hi PJ, hello Eddie Roach from Bell Colleg. I think I met you before. Hi PJ, we're here in Fangarola in Spain. Yeah, Frangarola was that... You know, it's a place that... It, it so, Frangarola sounds like one of those things that your mother insisted you eat long ago. She said it was good for you, but it, it, it tasted sort of like it wasn't. But Frangarola in Spain, uh, it cost us a family... What? A family of nine, Eddie. You're serious. Family of nine. €1,444 in a hotel with bed and breakfast... For a week, that's 160 per person, says Eddie. Good God. A week for a family of nine, bed and breakfast, 1,444 yo-yos. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the week, Eddie. Hotel price is outrageous, especially what when most of the staff are on minimum wage, says another message. Yeah, yeah. 0818969696 I was in Nace for a couple of days to see my son who's working up there went for a couple of drinks with him a bottle of cider, 7 euro went to two other bars just 10 cents cheaper in my local in all it's 150 cheaper what a con job yeah I was only looking up where we're going on holidays uh, in a few weeks time and there happens to be a bar where we're going called PJ's so I had to look I had to look. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think I'll get a bottle of the local stuff for about two quid. So, good luck with that. 0818969696 96 96 on Michael D. Fair play to him. About time someone spoke the facts. Michael D. is a humanist. It just came from his heart. I think he and everyone thought it needed to be heard. Uh, the government go for all the international issues and the constitutional ones. They don't seem to care about housing, or about passports. Michael D was dead right. It's a disaster. He was absolutely right in everything he said, says Bernie. It is a disaster. Let's remind us again of what he said. Like, he, he wasn't. He, Michael D knows the rules of his office better than anybody and I I think he did lose the rag a little bit. Listening back to it again. He he lost the rag a little bit. Either that or he staged himself losing the rag a little bit. Let's let's see.
6: Building homes is what is important. It is not to be a star performer for the speculative sector internationally. (laughs) I I have taken, as Walter, to speaking ever more frankly in relation to housing, because I think it is a great, great, great failure. It isn't a crisis anymore. It is a disaster. The outlook is getting darker in relation to the middle parts of our population. I feel that I, as President, have to speak very directly about this. Housing and the basic needs of society should never have been left to the marketplace.
5: Which one of our 15 members of Cabinet will be the one to pick up the phone and give out to Michael D? It ate the face off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't imagine how that conversation will go. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. with a bit of luck, the sun is about to break through, if only for a few hours later today, tomorrow, and into the weekend. Uh, i I rely very much on Alan from Carla Weather these days to predict how it's going to go for me, and I combine with Alan uh, the wonderful dark sky weather app which i keep recommending to people and over the next couple of days there's a fair bit of sunshine nice bit of sunshine friday saturday sunday even into and early next week looking hopeful with sunshine as well and temperatures may be around the high teens to low 20s and we take that any time of the year but with sunshine comes the risk of sunburn and comes the risk of of exposing yourself to the sun, because we see, let's face it, lads, we see so little of it, right? What do we do? The minute it comes, the shirt is off, the hat is off, we're gone out in it, before we know it, we're rusted. And that's not funny, because you shouldn't do that. Um, You really do need to mind our skin, much as we love the sun, much as we absolutely love the sun, we need to mind our skin Uh, So I've been speaking with Sally O'Shea, who is a consultant dermatologist, about just preparing ourselves and looking after ourselves in the summer sun. So Sally, we think at least we're going to have some proper summer weather by the end of the week, which means that this conversation is even more relevant than before But I guess at all times of the year, we should be looking after ourselves in the sun, even if it is typical Irish sun, fairly watery and fairly uninspiring, as it were. We should always be looking after ourselves in the sun.
13: Yeah, and I suppose in particular in Ireland, PJ, from about March to September, that's particularly the crucial time when the UV index is highest in Ireland. So the amount of UV we get in the winter months is... Pretty low uh, within Ireland itself. So, and I suppose there are lots of different ways we can protect our skin. I suppose there's a lot of focus on sunscreen, but that's only one component, really, of how we can protect our skin.
3: Mm.
13: So, really, behaviour is very important. And, you know, for example, avoiding sun when it's strongest. So, that would be particularly usually between about 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. in the day. Um, seeking the shade when we can is very important but it's important to bear in mind that even though we may sit in the shade, it reduces our sun exposure but let's say if you sit in the shade for two hours, that's equivalent to about one hour in the sun.
5: So you're still prone to UV rays even in the shade?
13: Yes, yes. So that's why it's so important to you know, consider things like clothing especially um, long sleeve clothing, clothing where possible a hat with a brim is very important especially for men whose hairstyles are you know different to women and often leave their ears and scalp exposed um, as well as sunscreen and then in terms of sunscreen uh, there are different types of sunscreen obviously yeah. but the higher the SPF or sun protection factor the more protection you get
3: yeah.
13: but again Um, it's known that a lot of us don't really put on as much sunscreen as we need to get the value out of that SPF. So we would generally recommend a sunscreen of about SPF 30 or 50 plus ideally. And it should be applied about 20 to 30 minutes before we go out in the sun and topped up every couple of hours then, every two hours. But it should be reapplied, let's say if you can imagine if you're out exercising or sweating, if you're out on the beach you might be going for a swim and toweling off and then the effect of the sunscreen is much less. So it's important to reapply it again um to any areas that aren't fully covered. And you know, there are obviously are sites where we typically forget to apply the sunscreen as well. For example, the rims of our ears, the backs of our hands, tops of our feet. um, you know, these types of areas are chronically exposed.
5: Yeah, we also tend to look after our children before we look after ourselves. It's very important to put sunscreen on the children, but and I know this from painful experience Sally, you can forget to put on your own.
13: Absolutely yeah, and I think people often get cut out more in Ireland than they might abroad, because you, you think about the sun when you're abroad, whereas you don't necessarily think about the sun on a cloudy day as you say in Ireland. Um but you know, UV can penetrate through the clouds as well. So it depends on how dense that covers. But in terms of um children, um, the advice is pretty similar, but the amount of sun cream they need is a bit less because their bodies are smaller. Um Typically, for children less than six months of age, we would recommend avoiding sunscreen but keeping them well out of the sun. Mm.
3: Um,
13: But if there's no other way, if they are exposed, um, then they should have sunscreen applied. But generally speaking, from six months on, um, sunscreen applied in the same way. And usually, for children, that would mean an application of vaccine.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...
13: Um, And for an adult, we should really be using between six and eight teaspoons, about 35 mils plus, to cover our body. Uh, So it means really like a typical 100 mils of sunscreen should really only be lasting about two to three applications as an adult.
5: I see, I see. If we happen to get burnt, what should we do?
13: Well... Obviously, the main aim would be to, in whatever way you can, to try to avoid that because sunburn is a serious risk factor for skin cancer. But if you do get caught out, um, really it's symptomatic relief. So those things would be pain relief, like painkillers like paracetamol, for example, or aspirin. Mm. And then applying an emollient. And a lot of people like to use something like aloe vera as well, Mm. which can be quite soothing to the skin. It's important to bear in mind that obviously some people can be sensitive to certain products including aloe vera and in that case obviously it can worsen um, the inflammation but you know especially if it's cool when applied it can be very soothing to the skin. Mm
5: -hmm. You'd you'd prefer to avoid the need of it but it is and there are other things over the counter as well that if we found ourselves in in a spot of bother what else would you recommend?
13: Um, well, generally, any emollients. There are plenty of after sun creams out there on the market, but in general, avoiding things with fragrances as much as possible is important. Mm. And on occasion, if it's a bad burn, sometimes uh, a doctor may prescribe a topical steroid to be applied short term for maybe two to three days, yeah. uh, morning and evening. Uh, I suppose as well as that, it's important to stay very well hydrated, um, you know, because your skin is the main way that. You retain heat and, um, you know, is involved in your temperature regulation. And you can also lose fluid through your skin. So it's important if you do have a significant sunburn to drink plenty of fluids as well.
5: Okay. Now, if you have things like moles or other little blemishes on your skin, should you always keep that part of your body covered?
13: So to be honest with you, most people don't think they have moles and virtually everybody does have moles but they might regard them to be freckles so um the difference really is freckles tend to come and go more so with sun exposure whereas the moles are there year-round and they can be flat or raised um but certainly the more moles you have and especially the more what we call atypical moles you have the more risk there is with skin cancer Mm. Um, so th- those types of moles are moles that tend to be larger and maybe a bit irregular in shape and a bit 2 tone in color. Mm. And definitely covering up is one of the best um, methods of protecting yourself. Um, but as well as that, um, applying sunscreen. But people often ask, should I be, you know, covering this mole with, a, you know, plaster or putting extra sunscreen on that? But really, the difficulty is that, for example, with melanoma, which is one of the most serious. On, uh, skin cancers. Um, it can arise, you know, about half the time on a pre-existing mole, but half the time on skin that doesn't yet have a mole. So that's why it's important to protect all of your skin and mm. really to avoid getting burnt is the thing. And the other thing to bear in mind is there is no real safe way of tanning or no safe amount of tanning. And Although tanning is very attractive to us all, it's actually an indication that you've done some damage to the, yeah. the skin as
5: well. You feel good when you're tanned, and uh, you might look good as well. But you feel good. You feel good when you've been out in the sun. But it's it's important, isn't it, not to get too tied up in that because you are damaging your skin.
13: Yes, definitely, absolutely, um, and there are plenty of good, you know, fake tans if you're looking for that brown look on the market um, and I suppose the other thing that comes into this is vitamin D people often kind of ask well if if you're avoiding the sun are you going to lack vitamin D or should I do 10 minutes here and there with you know my arms uncovered but I suppose one of the things that critically comes into um, safe sun practices is your skin type. And for the vast majority of people living in Ireland, we're fair-skinned and we burn easily. We either burn and don't tan at all, just get more freckly maybe, or burn and then tan. Um, But usually there's some burning involved to get that process of tanning. So um, it's important um, to protect yourself and actually vitamin D supplementation is very safe and simple and, you know, plenty of supplements on the market so we don't need to be going to that level in order to achieve uh, vitamin D. But it is important, obviously, If you are avoiding the sun a lot, um, to bear in mind that you could run a low vitamin D and then, you know, you may need to supplement that either with a supplement or, you know, with dietary um, sources as well, like oily fish and green leafy veg and
3: things like that.
5: Okay. Listen, Sally, thank you very much for your time today. Good advice and hopefully we'll all be able to take it on board with some good weather forecast over the next few days. Thank you very much for being with me.
13: A pleasure. Thank you.
5: That's uh, Sally O'Shea She's a consultant dermatologist Enjoy the sun But watch yourself as you do so And yes, with the vitamin D stuff um, we were all talking about during the pandemic how we should be taking more vitamin D. Remember we talked to, to John Campbell about it, about how important it was to take vitamin D. And there was that survey in Ireland that discovered that we we, we all are lacking, or a huge numbers of us are lacking in, in vitamin D. I started taking a vitamin D supplement. God, I must be taking it for three or four years now. I wouldn't be without it. Um, but, but yeah, that's a... Sound advice from Sally. An aloe vera is just a bomb. I remember when you couldn't get it here. It was very hard to get here, and you get it when you go away. It's, it's just the absolute... Aloe vera is the absolute bomb. But keep it in the fridge. Keep it in the fridge, because it's, it's really good out of, your, out of the fridge if you've burnt any of the old skin during the day. 0818 96 96 96. Just a quick mention to the mammy, and I'd say she's in the car now. Uh, on her way to the bonds to shall we say have some spare parts fitted so (laughs) safe have a safe day mum and we are all thinking of you and let us know when you're uh when you're out of surgery and let us know when you're back on the ward and we will be chatting to you very very soon mind yourself you've waited a long time for this day and here it is And it'll all be grand. It'll all be absolutely fine. He'll be back nightclubbing with us in the summertime by the end of the summer oh, 0818 96, 96, 96
2: Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM Your
4: guides to nightlife
2: on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment Treat
0: yourself to an evening of laughter and triumph as Norma Sheehan breathes new life into Willie Russell's effervescent and iconic character Shirley Valentine It comes to Cork Opera House on Saturday September 24th
4: Access
2: All
0: Areas Irish grunge legends Dog come to Cork in October to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their classic On The Turn album. They'll be ably assisted on the night by FIFA Records noise merchants Clubber Lang with tickets on sale now from cypressavenue.ie
2: Access
0: All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any gigs by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas with
4: Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound. This summer on
2: Corks ninety six FM.
5: Remember the late late show, Tommy Show appeal last Christmas raised an absolute fortune on the night of the show for various charitable um, operations up and up, up and down the country. One of the biggest grants given out as a result of that appeal in Cork, was to Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. Great, great charity. They've been given €70,000 for their family support programme, and that'll see them placing 25 dogs with 25 families around the country. Uh, Carla Anka, I hope I have the name right, Carla, is their head of fundraising. That's an incredible amount of money to get from one television show, isn't it? Good morning.
14: Good morning, good morning, how are you? Yes, and um, it's a, a fantastic amount. We're, we're absolutely uh, delighted to be a beneficiary this year.
5: Tell me about the work of, what you, of Autism Assistance Dog Ireland.
14: So we um, train and place Autism Assistance Dogs with children um, throughout Ireland. Uh, we were established in 2010 Um and we've been working really hard the last few years to, to grow our service provision and to reach more families. So, I mean, this grant couldn't have come at a better time um, mm. as we're trying to scale up our operations. So, it's, it's fabulous.
5: To watch these incredible dogs in action, it takes your breath away. You just, there's no understanding for the layman of of how that bond is formed. It's remarkable.
14: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's fabulous, and you know. Every child is is different and the connection that they have with the dogs is very, very individual. But when you see it and you see the bond that they have with the dogs and even the the whole family, the whole family will report that, you know, they've reaped so many benefits from having the dog and being able to go out and about and and have their child safe, that level of kind of stress that was there before and the anxiety that was there before not just for the child but for the whole family is is reduced significantly and and it's it's amazing to see see the families you know three six months after they've got the dog and see the transformative change that the dog has brought to their life
5: the training process Mm -hmm. how long does that take
14: so from start to finish between 18 months and two years of age um the dogs are placed so and we start training them at eight weeks So they'd go um, with a volunteer foster family for the first year. Um, And during that time, they they do all their their socialization. The dogs get used to all the places that they're going to need to to work. So shopping centers and lifts, you know, out and about in public and things like that. And then they come in for what we call their formal training. Um, And during that period, they're with one of our instructors for about five months. Um and they do they're learning the specific skills that they would need then. Um and that's kind of every day that the dog would be out on a training walk then. Um, so so and the,
5: then... the seventy thousand from the toy mm-hmm. show, like what will uh-huh. you be able to do with that
14: now? Well the the seventy thousand from the toy show is actually going to fund um a family support program. So when dogs are placed We give a level of training to the family that's receiving those dogs, and obviously then we would support them throughout the working life of the dog. So, that's where the funding is going to go towards: is to to the families, um, well, to to support the families as they receive the dogs and as they develop this partnership with the dogs, and to make sure that they reap the most benefits from the dogs. Because you you don't
5: Uh, just let the dog off at the front door and say, "Here you are now." You have backup support, and that's what this will fund.
14: This is what this is going to fund. So over the next 12 months, we'll be placing 25 dogs. And this funding is going to fund that aftercare oh. and that level of provision that we provide them after they've received the dog and as mm. they're receiving the dog. Um, and also we we plan to um, develop a, a peer support program for our clients. This is Great. completely new. We've never... Done this before, so I mean, that's part of the funding is that we'll develop a peer support program for our clients and actually conduct um, an impact research study to try and identify how we can support families more, do you know. Um, and how
5: were you, how were you selected for this, Carla? Like, did you put your hand up and say, Hi, we're here, or did the Late Late Toy Show Fund people come to you? What happened?
14: So, the grants are administered through the Community Foundation and they had an open call, like a open call for, for grants so charities were invited to to apply for grant funding um through the community foundation right. um, so we submitted um kind of an extensive kind of application you know basically saying why we needed the funds how we wanted to use them and what we saw the impact of, of the funds being right. if we were successful
5: and do they come to visit you then or what's the story
14: uh, no, they, they haven't come to visit us yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not saying that they won't, um, but no, it's, it's pretty in-depth application form. Sometimes they kind of follow up then with with a few questions and right. things. Um, and we'll obviously be reporting back to them over the next twelve months to letting them letting them know how we're using the funds and the impact the funds that are having on on the families that we're supporting.
5: Okay, listen. Well, good luck with the continued brilliant work that you do, and fantastic to see that the the backup support service will be there through this seventy thousand massive biggest grant in Cork, given out from the late late toy show fund autism assistance dogs Ireland. Uh, they'll be able to. Take 25 families and when they place the dog with them, they'll then spend this money on the backup service that goes along with that. Great. Carla, thank you very much. That's Carla, Head of Fundraising and uh, with Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. 70 grand from the late, late Toy Show Appeal. So when you were picking up your phone (coughs) last year during the Toy Show and going tick, tick, tick and sending off some money to the Toy Show Appeal, it's going into organisations like that. And if you've ever watched one of these dogs in action, if you've ever been lucky enough to sit and just watch one of these incredible creatures, uh, you couldn't, there's no money would pay for it. A few more comments coming in about Michael D and what he said yesterday in that speech. A lot of people supporting what he said but others saying, well, you know, he didn't do anything much himself when he was in a position to do it, and others saying he shouldn't be speaking up at all. I'll get some more of your comments in a while, but I want to go to Dennis O'Callaghan. Dennis has been on the opinion line uh, a couple of times with us over the last while, talking about the price of farmers and, and the mental health of farmers uh, during the pandemic and indeed in general. But I think the one you want to raise today, Dennis, is the price huge prices of food and the increasing price of food on, on a shop counter. Good morning to you.
15: Good morning, PJ, and thanks very much for having me on. Uh, yes, uh, just there for a second, um, I'd like to add to um, uh, our, pre- uh, our president, uh, um, our um, president, another uh, statement he made going back uh, last towards the week whereby he opened the Bloom Festival in the Phoenix Park and he congratulated the, the horticulturalists for what they had brought and for the work they were doing but he also said that it was it was, was disgraceful in one sense to see what was happening to the industry itself uh, at the hands of of um retailers and unfair practices and and such out there uh, that even on that particular day with a family business over 50 years in in business in County Mead closing their gates. Yeah. And these people had grown vegetables for the, the Dublin market. And indeed, if you go back to, um, to for, uh, for a year to, year to the ground, maybe going back about a week before it or two, um, they had been on themselves to say that five cents PJ would have made the difference uh, of keeping their business open or closing. Now, like, you know, I have brought a very serious uh, situation to the, to, the, I suppose to, the, to the minister going back in 2019. I was approached by, uh, by uh, the gov- our government agency in 2017 in relation to what I had in my position, which was very damning uh, proof, solid proof, actually, of what was going on yeah. uh, within, this, within the, yeah. the retailing. Uh, no, we and talked
5: and we talk about this before, and, and, and an awful lot of it, unfortunately, is not stuff we can we, we can put to well, it. Indeed,
15: I'm not going to go into it. but just what what to
5: focus on, to on the on price on on of beef right, at the moment. Uh, yeah.
15: Yeah. Well, uh, look, what I'm saying to you is that there is no reason at all. Like, we're all, they're all in the bandwagon here about fuel, right? Ukraine war, fuel, and so forth. Yes, the people in the shops, the, the, the workers are not getting paid anything extra. The people in the product to the shops are not getting paid anything extra. Um, but yes, the consumer, we have seen prices rise 35 to 40%, yeah. right? Uh, beef, vegetables, and dairy products are used as last leaders to bring people into shops, and then they make their money. Now, you know, we have a situation in the country where retailers are getting to be the, the richest people in the country, and yes, go back to the farm gate, uh, our prices are surpassing us, even though the price of beef has gone up, and we, yeah. uh, we thank the, the factories for that, but our the our, our input costs are, are, are starting to surpass us here again. Uh, and we don't know how that's going to finish. Now, I just think that Uh, Even as late as last night, we had the thing there on the radio and the TV about the houses and uh, the problems they're having with houses. And I'm saying, why do we go to the taxpayer to pick up the tab every time something happens? Why do we not go back to the people that manufactured the the product and the people who regulated and passed that product for sale? Surely, we a God, they're answerable in some shape or form. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? As, as uh, we have the minister promising us that he's setting up an office to deal with unfair practices, that's gone on for the last two years, mm. nearly three years now, and nothing has been done. Mm. Yet, there is solid proof of what's going on. He doesn't need to set up yeah. another office, PJ. It's already there. Sure.
5: No, j- the just come to very back very to, the, to the core point, Dennis, and that is that you said, right, look, the price of beef in, in, on the shop shelf has gone yeah, up, God. but the farmer themselves, they're not getting anything like that increase?
15: No. And uh, a retailer, uh, look, I've 40 years spent in the, in the food business myself, even though I'm uh, in farming, but I have. And retailers, for as long as I've been uh, was, were, were delivering into them, would not work or sell a product unless they're a minimum of 20%, right? Now, if you take it uh, that beef can retail anywhere up to 40 euros, but we'll take 35 euros. 35 euros uh, a kg in the shop. Well, go back to the Farom Gate. We are getting five at the moment, right? If we were to get um, a fifth, right, which would be uh, of that, or 20%, we should be getting seven euros out of that 35. We're not getting it. But yes, the people that go into the shops are, you know, we're saying we are being through at the gate, at uh, the Faram Gate. Well, I'm saying all the time that the consumer themselves need, needs to be educated because they're being through as well. Yeah. To me, people say to me, "cheap food." Well, do you know what? For what we are getting, it should be an awful lot cheaper to the consumer. I, I pity the people I'm listening to there for the last day or two, and, and I'm sure we hear a lot more of it during the week and the protest next Saturday. Uh, young couples are struggling. They really are struggling. Uh, this leads to a lot of other problems, by the way. It's not just oh, yeah. trying to put food on the table. You have mental health. You have it uh, starts arguments in households as to what we should buy, what we shouldn't buy and so forth and so forth. You go on and on. But, like, you know, our government needs to listen. We need to, to I think, a campaign whereby we'll bombard our local TDs uh, in the sense of trying to get something done because there are things that can be done, PJ, but they're not being done. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, had a, uh, we were promised that there'd be an incentive, incentive brought out earlier on this year for farmers to, to, to grow grain, to grow vegetables That's and right. so forth. But that hasn't happened. That? that hasn't happened. Uh, what did they do? The week that it, when when it was critical for setting for setting grain, they opened off on their planes for St Patrick's week around the, around the world. And when, by the time they got back to, to the door, to that that window to uh, set product or to store product
5: of, a, of, a, of incentive was was gone. But I come back to the point that you're making: if the beef, if yes. the farmer was getting anything like what we're paying. Yes. Wow. Well, so for, farmers, say for, farmers, say for, okay. for every ten of if, if I buy a bit of beef for the Sunday dinner, Dennis, just before In I let you know. if I buy, a, I bit I buy a bit of beef for the Sunday dinner, all right, and I pay we say, 15 quid for that bit of beef, how yeah. much is the farmer getting for that bit of beef? Roughly?
15: Well, I would say somewhere around three to four euros, Right. if we're getting it at all. Depending on the, on the, on the, on the, 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 the cut you buy and so forth, obviously yeah. that is a difference, right? But the thing, the thing is that, look, uh, there is, I, I'm asking, and I'll even go at this, is that we bring in these people, processors and retailers, and ask them, will you please explain to us? And by the way, merchants, are, 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 are big corporates, all of them out there are jumping on the bandwagon, and ask them, can you just explain to us why prices are inflated the way they are? When the pandemic was, was started, we had an inflation of uh, prices were inflated in the shops. Then the pandemic was over, prices didn't come down. Then we had the Ukraine war started, and from there on, it has risen again. And I know for a fact, a shopping bill <clears throat> in a household that, was, that going back two years ago was 65 euros, PJ, for a person living in their own, has now gone to 104 euros.
5: Wow, that's some comparison. Dennis, thank you. For no reason other than time, I'll stop it there. But Dennis, 40 years in farming and the food industry, the price you're paying at the supermarket reflects nothing like what the farmer is getting. So who's making money out of it? It's a good question. Thank you, Dennis.
2: The lines are live. And we're
5: ready to talk. Can we just
4: talk? Call
2: 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 396
4: Email opinion at
2: 96fm.ie. The Opinion mine with PJ Coogan.
5: On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, do you know what that is? It's one of the most popular snacks. You had it? I've no doubt you have. you know, not watch a match in the pub. You'll have a portion or you might just grab a portion. And feeling peckish after a couple of points, um, effectively, if you didn't eat them, they'd go for waste. And they are a money spinner, an absolute. I was shocked actually by what a buddy of mine who's worked in the food game for a very long time was telling me about this. But it's a snack, and you've probably eaten it a hundred times. And you'll be going out to the pub this weekend to watch a match, and you'll have a, a portion. And you'd probably pay anything from, I'd say, what, 7 99 to 15 or 16 dollars 99 Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what it is in a minute. If you have any idea, let me know. Oh, 1896. 9696. I'm trying to stretch myself into the chair here. Oh, and if you wanted ice cream, you might run short of... Uh, is this, uh, this is an existential crisis. This is, stop the, stop the press, stop the music. This is an ex- existential crisis of our times. For the second year in a row, there is a shortage of flake for the 99s. The little half a flake that goes into the top of the nine. There's a shortage of flakes for the 99. Cadbury's are saying supply chain issues. Have hit stocks of flake for the ninety nines. It's 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 it's. Oh my God! Stop the press! Recall the doll. If they not going home on holidays already, there's not enough. Fl- and it's the second year in a row. Someone needs to be fired for this. <laughs> now there is a shortage of um, flakes for the ninety nines. Just so you're wary. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We might have to put a twirl in instead, or get the big flake and break it in two and stick that in, or go into. I think they sell them. I think I saw boxes of them in in Iceland. No, in the shop, not the country yet. Tip. Um, I think I saw. I think I saw boxes of them. Um, for a couple of quid. Bring your own. <laughs> Oh, a 96 96 96, a beautiful book in front of me oh by the way, someone was on about transporting East Cork, which was a big part of the show yesterday, uh, about trains and times of trains, and I'll come back to it, uh, Joe, thanks for your message beautiful book just a lovely, lovely book written by Kemi Tijani or Tijani, and it's called My Friends on the Inside and it's just one of those little books that says, open me and look at me. Kemi, good morning to you.
10: Good morning, PJ.
5: This is a beautiful, beautiful little production. And <laughs> and it's all about, it's all about food. And it's all about children and their relationship with food. And it's called My Friends on the Inside. Where did it come from? Where did the idea come
10: from? Wow. The, thank you so much for that question. Like, the idea came during lockdown. And all of a sudden my eyes was open to how my daughter hates right. especially yeah during lockdown you know doing before during the school time i passed the lunch and i could control what children eat and all that and then it was all snack that time and i said i have to find a way to communicate this message of healthy eating this is this is what I always preach in my preschool. As a preschool teacher, they know me. I'm this healthy girl that will advise everyone. Then my eyes were just opened that my daughter is was eating a lot of junk. And I had to sat her down and say, How can I explain healthy eating to her yeah. in a way that she can make that decision herself instead of me being in her face to just tell her to eat good food? Yeah. Could so you- I sat down at the dinner table. Yeah. And just spoke and I said, do you know that we have to eat healthy because of our friend on the inside? That just came right there and there. And she asked me a question. Why should, why should I eat healthy? Who are my friends on the inside? And I said, your friends on the inside are your brain, your b- muscles, your hearts. I know that was explaining everything to her. I said, really? And I said, yes, your friend on the inside has a role to play and they are relying on you to send the best food to them. They can't do it themselves. They are relying on the type of food you send. is going to allow them to function so that they can help you fight infection and help you get stronger and healthy. And she was like, really? So I have a friend inside of me waiting for me to send the right food. I said, that's right. and you know what that moment she got that message that she's not just eating for the sake of eating she's eating to grow, she's eating to be stronger and our diet turned around she made that healthy choice herself
5: do you know what It's, it's inspired it's inspired, feed your heart feed your muscles, feed your brain they are your friends, give them the right food and they help you so, yeah, that's, it's just brilliant.
10: Yeah. I told a friend, I never thought of writing any book. Yeah. Well, just a few days after that, I told a friend about it, that this was our conversation. She said, that's a book. That's a message everybody needs to hear. And to be honest, as a preschool teacher, I work in different preschools and I see the way children hate and it kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, In the sense that it's not their fault, it's what they are presented. And with this busy life, we parents have, me included, you know, it's not easy to have that best choice for children to at all times. And then you see children not having variety at all. And some children, they eat a lot of food in jars and is, is on a daily basis. It's not sometimes. And I just say, what can I do about this? Because having my own background is, I have three kids, and two of them have special needs. Okay. So it's been a lot of journey with working with nutritionists, knowing the right food to feed them, so that I don't we don't increase hyperactivity. A lot of sensory, one of my son has, and I see over the past years that. This has been helpful when we turn their food around, knowing the right food for their own body, knowing the right food that works for them instead of food that works against them. Right. So I've been learning this all these years and I can see it working for my son. And now being in this environment where I see a lot of kids eating a lot of food that could be better, that could be improved. I said, I have to do something about this. So I took it upon myself, being a food lover myself. So I went to UCC. I enrolled myself in a course called Specialty in Food Production. Right. And I did that. And I realized that with three kids, two of them with special needs is a lot on my plate. Is a lot to handle. And when the book idea came, I said this, I can still make my own contribution by writing that book. So I did, I wrote it in a book, hoping that this book, parents, teachers, educators, and children themselves, they will read it and they will get the message that we are not just eating for ourselves, but we are eating for our brain, for our muscle, for our bones, for our future, really. We are who we eat, we are what we eat, and... Is going to tell on us. And when children especially get this message from a young age, that's the best thing yeah. you can do.
5: Well, where can people get this this lovely book, Kemi?
10: So this book is um, is available on Amazon, on all marketplace. It's available also on buythebook.ie and also some shops like Waterstone in Cork, and Kenny's in Galway, Super Value in Cove, Lady in Cove, and uh, New books, Famoi books. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Great. yeah. Great. Listen, I wish you every success with it because it's, it's beautiful. It's beautifully presented, beautifully illustrated as well. And such a simple concept. It's all about a little boy called Alan who doesn't want to eat the food his mom puts up in front of him. And by the end of the book, he's actually asking for healthy choices and it's all it, it's, it's so well put together thank you very much for being with me on the opinion line congratulations on it that's Kemi Tiani uh, children's author the author of My Friends on the Inside if you have some trouble convincing the smallies to eat what they should this book comes with a very big uh, opinion line recommendation I was in Musgraves only recently PJ they have a whole pallet full of flakes so no shortage in there Cheers, Jared, Thanks for that. I got two boxes of the small ones in Aldi a few weeks ago. Says Deirdre in Douglas, stocking up. You see, stocking up. There's a shortage of flakes for the ninety nines. What is the snack though? That is literally a license to print money. It's, the, it's by far the cheapest snack to produce, and you pay seven ninety nine to fifteen ninety nine for it. And I found out recently how much it actually cost. I tell you in a minute. <clears throat> uh, trust me, I was looking at them last week, and I'm going. I'd love a bowl of them. I'd love it, but I'm not justifying seven ninety nine for it. Um, Joe was on about new transport plans for East Cork, which dominated our program yesterday for quite some time. About you know the trains up and down. These new plans are of very little use to anyone from Middleton who wants to use public transport at night. The last train from Cork to Middleton is at 10.15. last bus is 11. I've been to the Opera House and other venues to see shows or live music, but I always have to get a taxi home as the trains and buses finish far too early. I might as well drive myself. Public transport is useless in Cork. There's no late service. It can be done for the Jazz Festival, so why not be doing it on weekends, says Joe. And that was, we were talking to Jane Cregan from uh, Irish Rail about developments in the East Cork service. You'll find it on our podcast extras. If you go on the app, you'll find it, uh, that conversation with Jane. If you missed it, you want to listen back, you'll find it on the podcast section or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, You'll be able to listen back if you missed it. But what arose from it was people saying, hang on a second now. The service is great, but the last bus home, the last train home is way too early. I can't go to a gig. I can't go to a show. I can't come to town and meet my friends for dinner because the last train home is way too early. And I put that to Jane from Irish Rail, her... Reply, if you want to hear it back, is on that podcast. 0818 96, 96,
2: 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The Cork
4: Diary is a free service. So, if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Diary at 96FM.ie
2: Cork's 96 FM.
5: Yeah, I'll give you another chance to win with Aiken Promotions, uh, taking it to see, uh, Elton John's farewell yellow brick road tour at Parky Creeve on Friday, July 1st. A pair of tickets to give away every day this week. One winner then, one daily winner upgraded on Friday. You'll go to the gig, but also, We'll send you for a pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane, Cork's Lively Gastro Pub in the heart of the city. It's a, a title of the song. You need to guess the title of the song. I'll give you the title and I'll give you a make title. And you need to tell me which is the right one. I'll give you that again in, in, in a little while. 0818 96 96, 96. Uh, Yeah, I absolutely love the whole concept of that book, Friends on the Inside. Um... It, 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 how the message is being conveyed What a fabulous lady to have gone on to UCC to pursue the background information I love it, you didn't sign that thank you for, though oh, 0818 96, 96 96 it's always good to catch up with Therese McCullough Melia from the Etiquette Academy because you know what, the world changes it's changing around us every day uh, habits are changing and the whole every concept of life is changing well, what doesn't change, according to people like Teresa, is good manners. What is good manners, and what is the best etiquette for certain situations? And even though we might think good manners change, Teresa, in general, they don't, do they? Good morning.
16: Good morning, uh, PJ. No, indeed, they don't. And it's just basically, as you say, what are good manners? It's just showing respect for other people and uh, appreciating. That they may be different to you, but acknowledging though that they have a right to be, so that's why I I would say to
5: you. Yeah, I want to focus a little bit today on weddings because a lot of people, okay. a lot of people going to that summer ends. weddings, and it's great to have them back again. So, what has what are good manners when going to a wedding? I assume don't wear white.
16: Exactly, that's exactly it. The bride's day to shine, so please don't turn up in a white outfit. It's the one complete no-no, and it's been no-no for centuries, so it's not something new, but it's just not acceptable. Not acceptable. The other thing that um, what a few brides or potential brides have been saying to me is that people are not responding to the, you know, to the invitation. Right. They're not saying whether they're coming or they're not coming. And the terrible, crazy thing about all this is it's never been easier because you would just text them or you can email. Yeah. You don't have to go rummaging around to get a card to send back and post it and all of that.
5: So people are yet, ignoring the RSVP and just either turning yes. up or not.
16: Yeah, exactly. Which is you know is is very bad from the point of view of the couple that are you know holding the wedding because you have to always you know what I mean how many plates and um, accommodations all of these things have to be sorted for people I know the people pay for the accommodation themselves, but you, you know normally block book somewhere so that they have somewhere to stay and try and get a good deal for them. So from that, all that point of view, it's um, well, it's rude to start with, yeah. but it leaves them in a situation they don't, they don't know whether people are coming or not. And it means they have to follow up and they have enough to be doing besides mm. following everybody up. On so that.
5: make sure that you do RSVP. <laughs>
16: Exactly, either way, whether either
5: you're going or not. Yeah, because yeah. people sometimes think, well, if I'm going, I'll tell them, but if I'm not, they'll know. No, they won't. <laughs> I don't
16: know. No, they, they certainly won't. Yeah. And they'd always, uh, you know, at the back of their mind, be assuming, of course, that you're going to go. So yeah. you can't just work on assumptions, unfortunately. In they terms of gifts, uh,
5: you oh, know, it's, yeah. it's an expensive time. I mean, it was never cheap to go to a wedding no. trace, but in no. terms of of the, in the inflationary times in which we live, what's yes. the best to, to, thing to do with regard to, a, is there a standard, like is there a standard amount of money you should you should spend on a gift?
16: Well, if it was somebody for instance, you know, that's a close friend or a family member the kind of average would be about 100 to 200 um, euros on a gift, but a lot of weddings today too are actually abroad. So, a more personalized gift. Stay within your budget. Cash, of course, is um, the ultimate currency these days. But don't go, you know, um, how to say, giving money that you can't afford. Stay within your budget. Mm. And also, I think an an idea that could work today would be a group gift. A, a, A group of people get together and Purchase a gift for the person, you know, yeah. something they feel worthwhile or give a voucher, yeah. something
5: like that. Are there conversations that one should avoid? For example, we've all been there when someone is being asked, oh, you're next now, you'll surely be next. Or, or, or people going around asking the bride and groom on the day, so when are we seeing kids? They, they, mm-hmm. Stupid questions like.
16: I don't, yeah, no, that is all total no, no. And you never know what circumstances you know people are in. So we should avoid that. And it's the same like when brides and grooms come back, you know, and when are we going to see the pattern of tiny feet? You don't know. Situation could be there. So that's definitely be avoided.
5: Yeah. Any good one-liners that won't cause a scene but will put someone firmly back in their box?
16: <laughs> well, um, not really. Uh, I know myself, I would have, um, you know, said things. Oh, the pattern of tiny feet. Oh, I think I'll wait a while for that. Yeah. And just left it.
5: Well, I hope there's no mice.
16: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
5: Or, yeah, exactly. Sure, the, dog is in, the dog is in the kennels and we'll have we we'll be getting him after the honeymoon. <laughs> That's
16: exactly it. Yeah.
5: yeah. Maybe we should probably go into business.
16: <laughs>
5: <laughs> do, you, do you know the um, thing about... Uh, sometimes you you have a bride who who wants her bridesmaids to look a certain way or behave yeah. a certain way and you know one of the bridesmaids might be a bit uncomfortable with that how how can she refuse politely but still not fall out with the bride like there, there are way the awkward conversation like that dress the dress she wants the bride with—it's just not going to suit Siobhan. She doesn't. Siobhan doesn't want nothing to do with it. It's not going to suit her. How no. does Siobhan deal with that?
16: Well, I think she needs to sit down and talk to the bride about it. You know, on a one-to-one level. Don't be emailing or texting or anything like that. Sit down and tell her the way that you feel. That you're honoured that she has asked you to be the bridesmaid, but you really just know that particular dress or colour or whatever is not going to do anything for you. Mm. Now, ask her, would she, you know, feel really bad if you turned up in something similar but not the same? Or else, say, well, maybe you could drop me as a bridesmaid. I hope you won't be offended.
5: Mm. And just leave it at that. Kids (laughs) at a wedding. Now, this is a particular favourite of mine. I I, I have to say, and much as I love children, I, I, I don't think, if you can possibly avoid it at all, that you should be bringing smallies to a wedding. Am I right or wrong?
16: No, you're you're totally right. A wedding is really not the, the place for very small children. The only exceptions to that would be if you have a little um, flower girl or mm. a little, um, little boy, a ring bearer, something like that. Have them along just for the very start. You know, like photographs and a little piece of cake or whatever. And then have a sitter or whoever to take the children it's just it's not it's not the place for them and it only the parents don't enjoy it either because they're you know the child is there and gets tired and cries and climbs under the table and you know creates a massive fuss no the best it's it's best at all under all circumstances it, as I say, if you bring children, then you need to have somebody organised, maybe in the hotel or whatever, that can um, sit the children, babysit them, mm. so that when you know they start getting restless or whatever, they can be taken out and brought you know to a room or whatever and entertained there.
5: How about the things that inevitably happen when a few drinks have been consumed? Oh. Old old arguments resurface, <laughs> or new ones. <laughs> new ones right. How, how do you neatly get out of something that could go south quickly?
16: Well, I think the best advice for that is just to actually leave the company. Just, you know, um, kind of make a gesture that you see somebody and say, gosh, excuse me, I've just seen somebody I haven't seen in ages. I must go mm. and chat with them, you know, to avoid this whole debark of getting, you know, out of hand, once again.
5: Yeah, you know, Uncle Noel, who'd start I a know. fight with his own shadow in a dark room. Exactly. And loves to talk.
16: Yes, yes. Yeah. That's, that's the only the, the only way, because otherwise, you know what I mean, an argument is going to ensue. And unfortunately, when we have alcohol and boards, it just escalates, you know. Yeah,
5: yeah. and should, actually, there's a the thing. Should the, the wedding party watch it on the booze until all the formalities are over?
16: I think they should, yeah. (laughs) You know, it is kind of comical, like if somebody gets up to make a speech and they have, you know, the tree sheets in the wind, (laughs) if they are (laughs) uh, a comical kind of character. But you could also get the person that the drink, you know, has another effect on them and could start to abuse maybe people or not be very pleasant So the best advice would be to cool it on the drink until after all the formalities are over.
5: Here's one, and this is one that I heard a couple of years ago, and I thought, oh, crikey. The best man's speech. Oh, yes. Should that be approved by the bride and groom?
16: Well, unfortunately, the kind of tradition is that he he never really tells them what, what he's going to say. Yeah. So, um, and that's where it can get very difficult. <laughs> Sometimes, they, you know, the uh, best man will come out with the most outrageous things. Mm-hmm. I was at a wedding and um, only some years ago and the best man got up and he talked about the bride's mother having invited him around for dinner and that he got, she got him to cook the dinner in front of all the guests and we're going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Drama yeah. all the way.
5: Or, or the worst is the the, the the best man who also happens to be an ex of the bride. Oh, I know. No. Yeah. Let's <laughs> not have that one at all. Trace, listen, always good to catch up. Thank you very much. The Etiquette Academy no. is where you'll find Trace. Good to talk to you.
16: PJ, lovely to talk to you too.
5: Take I mean, care. Thanks very much. Yeah, there's there's a great comeback. That line, you know, oh, you're next now. You'll be next now. It's the most. You'll be next now. There's all you know. always kind of you know, anti Siobhan. You know, you'll be next now. You know the you know the one. You can paint her in your head for me. You know that will I. he will be next now. You'll be next now. Do you know how you get your revenge on her, Right, first funeral that you're at. And she's there by the side of the grave with the rosary beads in hand, right? And she's praying. You
2: lean over and go, (laughs) you'll be next now. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix.
4: Weekdays from Midday on Cork's 96FM. Wednesday afternoon, if you're at work, I'm going to fly you through with all your favourite tunes and I'm sending you and a friend to go
5: and see Dara O'Brien live at the Marquee See you here from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Trains in East Cork again, Tom says. One thing to watch is that the half-hourly service will put pressure on the train sets, the actual stock itself. There's not enough stock. Uh, some of those sets also cover Tralee and they're 28 or more years old. Thanks for that, Tom. And then we don't have a bus service at all in Grenada. I wouldn't need a car if there was a bus service. Thanks for that. 0818969696. On weddings and stuff you see at weddings and stuff you say or stuff you shouldn't say or stuff you wear. I remember a woman rang me one time. She wasn't long married. She was. She'd been at the at the wedding uh, at a friend's wedding, and then she was getting married herself. But it turned out that at her wedding, three women turned up in the same dress, and there was ructions So they ended up doing what? Taking photographs, and they entered into the album. Anyone got a story like that? 0818 96 96 96. The queerest thing that ever happened at a wedding. Uh, Elton John. Yeah, I'll give you the lyric. I'll give you the title of the song. Where's me bit of paper gone? Oh, this is... Ah, yeah. Here it is. Elton John, live at Parky Cueve 1st of July. So tell me which is the right title of the song here. Is it Circle of Life or Spice of Life? Circle of Life or Spice of Life? of Life. We take your entries at 83 396 Your name and the right title. Uh, one of our daily winners will be upgraded to a pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane. Draw winner before quitting time today. Now, Will Kennedy, you and I spoke before about uh, hiv and about living with hiv and how it is it is so much easier these days to mind yourself and keep your meds going and keep your health going than it was even 10 15 uh, 20 years ago good morning to you
17: good morning pj um and thanks for uh, having me on because um the what i'm trying to do today being more our irish aids day sorry is we're trying to advertise the fact that there's a uh, survey for people living with HIV going on at the moment mm. and um, the uptake has been pretty low so far and there's a lot of reasons for that Like, and I was hoping that maybe you could sure. uh, put it on your, all your social media platforms you know. The so link. so what's the link survey to. about Will? Um, the survey, if I could give you just a little of the background yes. um, how it came about uh, there's an initiative called the Fast Track Cities Fast Cities it's an international initiative to end new cases of HIV by 2030. Uh, about 200 cities across the world are part of this movement to get to zero cases of HIV, zero preventable deaths and zero stigma and discrimination, which I think is really important. Yeah. And a better quality of life for people living with HIV. Um, the survey then came out of this like because we've just joined that uh, Track City Initiative, Ireland joined it in 2019. Um, so we have four cities, Dublin, Galway, Cork and Limerick. And, you know, they wanted to do a survey to identify the gaps in uh, HIV services in Ireland. So that then going forward from what we identify in this survey, we can, you know, improve the services like, but uh, it really is a well worth survey, a survey well worth doing because, um, it shows, like, just looking back at different cities, London, Amsterdam and Melbourne have actually reached their targets. Um, they're the only three cities to have done it. There's a thing called the 1990-90 targets. We might have spoken about it before. Mm. Uh, it's go, through 90, them,
5: go through them again for people who wouldn't remember.
17: Yeah, it's for 90% of people living with HIV to be diagnosed, 90% on treatment, and then that means your viral load is suppressed. It's called treatment as prevention because if your viral load is uh, (laughs) suppressed, you cannot pass on um, HIV. And the medication
5: is so good these days that that's exactly what can happen, isn't it, Will?
17: Yeah, and London, Amsterdam and Melbourne have achieved this. They've actually achieved the targets uh, set out by this um, uh, UN proposal. But the thing is like... um, uh, why I was asked, uh, really calling today it was like the survey I was asked to kind of, would I ask you e to promote it on your sites? Sure. Uh, also, like um, to let people know that the Peter Street Sexual Health Centre here in Cork, Gosh in Limerick, and Sexual Health West in Galway, they all have it on their websites if people went down and looked at it. But I asked myself, like, why are people living with HIV not taking up the survey? Yeah. <laughs> like this. 41, and there's something like, I was looking up the figures this morning because I I like to be exact in my figures. (laughs) And since the 80s, there's no, have been diagnosed, whatever, about in treatment, there have been 8,226 people have been diagnosed since the 80s. If you have that many people, like, living with HIV in Ireland, why is it there's only 41 have have taken up the uh, survey? Yeah. Uh, I really think... There's a lot of reasons. One is bloody well fear and thing. I don't know. People might be terrified, even doing an anonymous stigma. Would they be find out found out or anything? But also, and I, I have to. I, I'm an advocate for HIV, so I I don't really care what the clinic think about me, even though I attend the clinic out there. I really think clinics and NGOs hide behind the GDPR. Um, I I know like that people's privacy is well respected, mm. but what I would do in clinics is. Simply when somebody visits, and I have been told that when you come to the clinic, people are worried about their maze, they have all different questions. But my suggestion was that if you just printed off the link to the survey and handed it to them as they were leaving and said, here, this is a survey that really, if you want to improve your services, would help, you know. And I keep getting told, oh, it's, it's like at the clinic visit, it's really, um, you know, they're busy, worried about other things, other questions, but that's only two minutes you know, if they really want the survey to be out there for people to know it, like, because a lot of people (laughs) living with HIV, like, mightn't even have access to a lot of the sites that we're looking at. Like, I just find it a little bit eh, disappointing, like, um, because we want to change and improve
5: It's it's not so, I mean, obviously, at particular times of the year, uh, HIV comes up in discussion. Yeah. But generally speaking, and I don't know, I mean, how you feel about it. I think it's something we generally just don't talk about. And maybe the reason will, and this is just my thoughts on it, in that <clears throat> HIV, and believe it or not, I, I think I'm right here. You'll tell me who I am. It's, it's mm-hmm. still not been undeclared a, a pandemic. HIV is still a pandemic, a live happening pandemic in the middle of us. But the fact of the matter is that it is now so controllable and so manageable with medication. We've just stopped talking about it as if it had gone away.
17: Yeah, inter- interestingly enough, I do a lot of uh, talks around this time of the year to different groups and chatting to people about that, like... um you have to be careful, like, to say, like, you know, I'm living with HIV, I'm healthy, I'm everything. You don't want to be, like, sound like a person. Yeah, it's fine, get it, like, because... Oh, no, no,
5: no, 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 but what I'm I'm saying is we tend to forget about it because people like you and others with HIV, your your medication regime and your care regime is now so comprehensive.
17: Yeah, I utterly agree with you. Uh, That's what I'm saying, like, because... um, in, uh, why I'm saying I've just been careful like, because some people would accuse me of like, oh, sure, you're saying it's fine, like everybody will go out and get it, like, you know, the, the ridiculous things you can get said back at you. But I try to promote living with HIV is no longer a death sentence like we were just saying and the medication is great because it, it puzzles me that in Ireland, um, like... Around In the Western world, because we can't talk about sub-Sahara, again, everything, because AIDS is still alive and well there. It is, yeah. In the West, we really are doing really well. But in Ireland, and I've looked up these figures just this morning, I'm always got my figures. In the the number of new cases, this is from week one to 22 in this year, 2022. The number of cases have doubled compared to the first six months of last year. Oh, really? Week one. week 22, 293 new cases, an increase of 102% this year in cases in Ireland. And exactly what you were saying, PJ, we don't talk about it. That is my, I think, is the reason why there's new cases. Uh, We we just don't talk about this. HIV has gone off the radar. Yet for people living with HIV, It's a kind of double-edged thing. We don't talk about it. We're not visible. There's very few of us visible out there about our HIV status. And I utterly understand it. Like, the fear of stigma, discrimination yeah. is alive and well. Like, And it prevents people getting tested. Yeah. So if you have 293 cases just this year or so far, that's 293 people and... The interesting thing about some of them, I met four people in the last two years newly diagnosed and the shocking thing, two of them were young men. One was only 17, one was 19. And the, the one that shocked me most was the 17-year-old had never heard about it when his doctor was telling him because he got tested at his GP. When his GP was telling him he had HIV, he had to explain to him what HIV was.
5: Oh, my goodness me. Oh, my goodness That's me. A young
17: 17-year-old man. like you know, And he's not oh alone my in that. Oh, goodness me
5: do you know what will for no reason other than time i'm gonna to need to wrap it with you there for yeah. now but i do yeah. want to come back to you when this survey is finished and done i know that people can enter it until i'll enter their details until the 24th of june yeah uh, we'll share the link to it as well if people want to
17: great and there is just oh i should have thought of it there is for people, because the survey is mainly in English, but for people who can't do it in English, French, and Portuguese, there is a free phone number where they'll get an interpreter to help them through it.
5: Well, that's brilliant. Uh, if I
17: could give you that number.
5: one 800
17: Yeah, great. Thank yeah. you. You have it, yeah. We will talk uh, again no
5: soon, great. Will. We will talk yeah, again soon. Um, that's that's the scary thing though and we have to come back to that. A 17-year-old diagnosed or found to be HIV positive and had never heard of it. Will, thank you for that. That's a rather frightening thing to hear in 2022. So we'll post a link to that survey and I promise you, Will, we'll come back when the findings are out and when there's more information in. That's, I don't shock or surprise easy uh, in, after all the years doing this job but to think that someone will go to their doctor in 2022, 17 years of age and be diagnosed as HIV positive and not know what that is that, 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 that takes my breath away a bit when the- oh by the way it's chicken wings that's the, the snack that you've all had a hundred times and you love it with a jar or, or maybe even coffee uh, watching a game. Chicken wings. If you knew how little they actually cost at source, because, and I, a pal who has worked in the food trade for long enough to know this, they effectively are classed as waste. <laughs> so chicken wings, those chicken wings you get in a bowl with your drink they are the cheapest food item on the menu so when you pay 9.99 for 10 chicken wings you are being fleeced. they're nice though aren't they they are you'd love them 0818 96, 96 96 the marina market i was down there again yesterday i had a spot of lunch there and there's so much going on in the marina market at the moment. Uh, Connor O'Keefe, you're up next down there. You have a a special podcast. This is Conor, of course, from from Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. What are you up to, sir? Good morning.
9: Good morning, PJ. Uh, Thanks very much for for having me on again, my friend.
5: You're more than welcome. What are you up to down the marina market?
9: I have... uh, I've got a podcast that I've ran since uh, November of 2020 called Flip the Script. And, um, you know, of late, I've just been getting people on that... I'm interested in having a chat with that I think are are, are interesting and um, can uh, can I suppose impart uh, some sort of knowledge that uh, that uh, you know people may find beneficial. And I suppose when I finished up um, uh, Ultimate Hell Week, uh, I've been having people on that ha- that were fellow recruits of mine on the show, and I said no none are too uh, fitting uh, to get on and do a live podcast with than. Uh, the two finalists that, that made it to the final with myself, um, Ellen Vitting and uh, Clara Hogan. Um, so I'm having uh, Clara and Ellen down for a live podcast. And we've picked probably one of the most um, unknown um, event uh, um, venues uh, in the whole of the county
5: uh, in the Marina Americas, well, Rapidly uh, becoming one of the better known ones. But yeah, it's, it's a treasure trove down there. It's an amazing place. It's an incredible
9: spot. Like I, I've I've been going down there as as probably you have to get my you know to get something to eat from one of the eateries that are down there, or get a cup of coffee down there, and just take in the whole vibe of the place, you know. And I said this is just a perfect place, and um, it's quickly becoming a, a great event center. And it was just the perfect place to put on something mm. like
5: this. So when, when is it on?
9: It's on the uh, Saturday the 2nd of July and uh, tickets are available on Eventbrite, uh, they're available through my own Instagram page at C.O. You click the link in the bio there, there's a link to, to tickets um, and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to putting on a great show down there.
5: You're talking about Flip the Script being about people who are interesting, interesting in what way
9: Connor? Um, I suppose people that I just feel like, yeah, that's a person that I want to have a chat with, a person that I just want to have a conversation with. And that might just be, um, you know, there's been an um, array of different guests that I've had on. I had a, I had a, a doctor of, of forensic psychology, so psychology to do with, you know, criminality in the courts, um, cool. who's had dealt with you know um sex offenders and violent offenders i was like geez that was that's somebody i'd love to get on and have a chat with and pick their brain and see you know how they see you know aspects of life and stuff like that so it's just basically
5: people that i i find interesting cool cool and you'll be down on the 2nd of july with your two uh, co-finalists from special forces ultimate hell week what time is it on down there connor
9: um, doors are at at seven thirty. So what I would say to people that are going to get tickets is to go down, uh, get something to eat from one of these fantastic um, uh, eateries that are down there, um, enjoy the whole ambiance of it, and we will probably be kicking off sometime at around quarter to eight. And we're just going to do a full kind of deep dive. It's it's really for like especially for Hell Week fans. It's just an absolute must go to event because we're going to do a deep dive into um these two, two, two women and
5: their journey through the show and a bit of behind the scenes kind of stuff as well from the show. Fantastic. All right. It's 2nd of July. Uh, tickets through I, I assume Eventbrite or somewhere like that.
9: Yeah, Eventbrite. It's it's available on Eventbrite if you search, flip the script live podcast, uh, or Hell Week podcast, you'll 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 get the tickets through there. Um and there's a link as well in, in my bio
5: as well on my on my Instagram page. Okay, Connor, thank you for that, Connor O'Keefe, Crew Adventures. Uh, that's a special live podcast in Marina. Yeah, just every time I'm down in the Marina market, I love it more. It's just brilliant. Down there again yesterday for for a spot of lunch. It's just lovely. And I'll say this much, they're not ripping anybody off down there food-wise. They're not. For the quality of what you're getting, they're not ripping anybody off down there. Bumped into Sully, actually, who used to be in uh, Clancy's and Reardon's. And Sully's uh, involved down there now, so anything he puts his hand to is going to be successful. 96, 96, 96. Where are we going with this? We're going to Cove, Denise. Hello. How are you? What's the okay. name? What's the name of the song? Circle of Life. Circle of Life. Who would you like to bring with you to see Elton John on the first of July? I suppose I bring my husband. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of earned the right. Of the... Have you ever seen him, seen uh, Elton before? No.
12: Right. You're, yeah, in, you're,
5: you're in for a, you're in for a treat. treat. You're in for a treat. Left. You're Your Daily Winner, and of course, you might get an opportunity. What's the husband's name?
12: Keith.
5: You might get an opportunity to treat Keith even more uh, because everyone from the Daily Winners is going into uh, a draw for pre concert meal for two at Sober Lane, and we do that on Friday. Superb. All right. Cheers, Absolutely. Denise.
16: Trilled. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. Thank
5: you. Thank you. Bye bye. Delighted. Uh, the world, this fantastic display of this globe of the world which we talked about months ago here on The Opinion Line, we heard it was coming to, co- to Cove, it opens today as part of the Midsummer Festival. Eugene was asking earlier on, how do I talk about Midsummer when I insist that June is the start of summer? Well, they can call it the Midsummer Festival, Eugene, but to me, June is the first month of summer, and it always will be, and I'll die on that rock if I have to. <laughs> All right, program edited by Fiona Carkin, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine.
2: The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash!
4: Cash! The Two Grand Minute with Foodie & More. Blackpool, Douglas, or Eden Hall. From milestone birthdays to graduations and more. Tasty fresh Asian food at Foodie & More.
2: Casey and Ross in the morning.
4: On Cork's 96 FM. Hold
1: up. What was that?